0: you're listening to podcast audio from radiant church located in bay city michigan for more information on radiant church you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at radiant bay city all right good morning radiant church good to be with all of you this morning hey i want to remind you uh next sunday is easter of course we all know this but again let me reiterate hey try to be here early 10 to 15 minutes early if you are someone who loves to stroll in like third song, second song, I cannot guarantee you a seat. You might sit in the aisle. You might sit way like, in the foyer area, but you might not be able to sit in here, okay? So try to get here early. Grab a donut. We'll have donuts. We'll have coffee. Save your seat. Grab a donut. Grab a coffee. Come back to your seat. Enjoy your donut. Relax and get ready to worship Jesus, okay? Also, here's one thing that you can do to help me out really to help the ushers out, it would be a great service that when we all sit down, especially next Sunday after worship, um, could you scoot in? Because the ushers will be looking for available seats, and it just helps when you scoot in because it makes it very easy for them to see the available seating. So that would be a great service. We are so excited to celebrate our risen Savior uh, with all of you. Well, Today, um, we are taking a break from the book of Acts for a couple of weeks, and we're talking about Palm Sunday, obviously. Today marks the beginning of Jesus' last week uh, earthly ministry, and it's traditionally known as Holy Week or Passion Week. And this narrative, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, it shows up in all four Gospels, Matthew Mark, Luke, and John. Today, we're just gonna focus in on Luke's version of the story, and that is in Luke chapter 19. I'd love for you to join me there. Um, smartphone, a Bible, whatever you have with you, we'll read that, we'll get into that in just a couple of moments. I don't wanna waste too much time here, but what I wanna do is I wanna just set the stage for you and give you some brief context to kind of to, to bring us all in on the same page, okay? The Jewish holiday known as Passover, is just a few days away in Jerusalem. And so the city, I want you to just imagine, um, if you will, a a, a big city. Maybe you visited um, Chicago, New York, or Phoenix, and there's just people everywhere as you walk the streets. This is the same image I want you to get of Jerusalem in that time. It was just bustling with noise and Sights and sounds and smells and and people everywhere. Now, the excitement was brought to a pinnacle with the arrival of Jesus, okay? Israel's king had arrived, but he had not come in the way that they expected. Jesus did not come in with a great procession as uh, was traditional for the Romans to do in that day. Jesus did not come in on a chariot Rather, Jesus came in on a donkey. He was lowly. He was humble. And so the Jewish people of that day, what they expected was they expected a conquering warrior, someone who was going to free them from Roman oppression immediately. But what they got instead was a suffering servant, was a servant king, and his name was Jesus. And so Luke wants us to see that Jerusalem There was quite a commotion with the arrival of Jesus in that day. However, in just a few days, the story would take this dramatic turn and what began as joyful shouts of praise of Hosanna in just a few days will soon turn into accusatory shouts of crucify him, crucify him crucify him over and over and over again. But right now in the story that we're going to read, Jesus is coming in into Jerusalem as uh, their rightful king. And I I want us to read through this passage. It begins in verse 28. I'll pause maybe two or three times to kind of give some commentary and help us understand the scenario. And then we'll pray. And then I'll get into the Kind of the meat of the message, okay? So let's go to verse 28, Luke 19, verse 28. It says this After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. I want you to pay attention to this verse here. Pay close attention. It says this Luke says, After Jesus had said this, what is this that Luke is referring to here? The this that he is referring to is the parable that immediately precedes this, it comes before it. It begins in verse number 11. If you have a smartphone, if you wanna scroll down there super quick, you can do it. We won't read that. We just don't have the time, but I recommend that you read it because it goes together with this story. In verse verse number 11, Jesus tells a parable. It's called the parable of the 10 minas, okay? Now, here's the thing about this parable. The storyline of this parable is this is that there was a nobleman who sets out to become appointed as king. Now eventually, this king is ultimately rejected as the king from his people. It's the same thing with Jesus here in Jerusalem. Here's what I want you to see. The parable of the 10 minas directly parallel what's taking place with Jesus in his triumphal entry. If you wanna do some study, Go and read verses 11 up to this point. Do a comparison and a contrast. It's actually pretty fascinating how those two stories are really linked together. Let's keep going. Verse number 29. As Jesus approached Bethpage in Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Okay, let's pause here for just a moment. This is really, really important as well. And the reason why this section of scripture is so important is because right here, Jesus is fulfilling messianic prophecy that was spoken about him in the Old Testament by the prophet Zechariah. I believe it's Zechariah chapter 9. Zechariah the prophet said that the Messiah would come mounted on a donkey, listen to this folks, 500 years before this event, 500 years, maybe some of you are here and you're just a big skeptical, by the way, welcome, we welcome skeptics, it's all good, right, but maybe some of you are here and you're like, I don't know if I can trust the Bible, maybe you're 20-something and you're just like, you know what, I have a healthy skepticism of anything and everything. And so you're like, I don't know if I can trust the Bible. I get that, and I understand that, and you're welcome here. If you're in that position today, or if you've ever been in that position, listen, let me just tell you that prophecies in the scripture becoming fulfilled are a great reason for you to begin to trust the Bible. Some commentators and scholars say this. They say that there are over 400 prophecies of the Messiah in the Old Testament, about 428, actually. This is crazy. Now, check this out. Conservatively speaking, conservatively speaking there are probably over 300 prophecies that are fulfilled in Jesus' birth and his life, fulfilled in the New Testament from the Old Testament. That is incredible. That's amazing. So listen, that is one very credible piece of evidence why you can indeed trust the Bible. Let's keep going. Verse 32. Those who were sent ahead went, and they found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the coat, its owners asked him, why are you untying the coat? And they replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought it to Jesus. And listen, here's what they do. They threw their cloaks on the coat, and they put Jesus on it. So now Jesus is getting on this donkey. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. Let's just pause for a few moments. What in the world is a cloak? You might ask yourself, a cloak is this. It's a piece of outer garment. Essentially, it ties around the neck and it goes all the way to your ankles. And it was a piece of outer garment worn by both men and women in that day and age. It was, they were worn to protect people from the elements of the weather. And so they have these you know, these outer garments that they're taking off and they're laying them on the road as Jesus passes over them. Now, most of us, as we think about that, we think that's pretty strange. Why would we do that? In fact, the other gospel writers actually mentioned that people were placing palm branches down as Jesus, as Jesus rode over them. That may sound strange to many of us because we're just not, we're just not familiar with that culture in that time. This was far removed from us. But this is the same treatment that they would would use to treat a king. In fact, this is the same treatment that King Jehu in the Old Testament received, 2 Kings chapter 9. You can read more about it there, right? It was a way to hail Jesus as the king. It was a way to pay homage to the king. What was it? It was actually really a, a sign of worship is actually what it was. They were saying, this is the king. This is the king. Verse 37 reads, when he came near, Jesus that is, to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of, and I want you to notice this church, the whole crowd of disciples. It doesn't just say the whole crowd of people. Luke is, he wants to be specific here, okay? So just keep that in your memory if you would. The whole crowd of uh, disciples begin joyfully to praise God. In a loud voices, I mean, they were not quiet, you guys. Loud voices for all the miracles they had seen, and here is what they say: "Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord." Right? This is actually part of the the Hillel. This is Psalm one eighteen. This is they're they're singing out part of this psalm. They're hailing the this is the Messiah. This is the King. Right? Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. So all these disciples are shouting out. Quite a commotion. Now, notice the contrast. Verse 39. Some of the Pharisees of the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. What's happening? Well, they are offended. That's what's happening. They do not like this. I love what Jesus says here. Every worship leader in the crowd, you love this line too. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Wow, that is that is a mic drop moment, by the way, for Jesus, just in case you didn't know that. Just a, I mean, boom, right? The stones will cry out, he says. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city, right? Wow, beautiful, probably. But he wept over it, you guys. He wept. And he says, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. Wow, that's, that's a remarkable statement. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you. Prophesying the Roman invasion of Jerusalem in 70 AD, by the way. You'll build an embankment. They will build an embankment against you, encircle you, and hem you in on every side. Jesus says they will dash you to the ground and the children will and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. Because what? Because why? Why? Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Wow, wow. Because why? Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Church, let us be a people who recognizes God's coming in King Jesus. Wow, let it not be said of us that we would not, we did not recognize our King, our Lord, our our God of glory, King Jesus. Let's take a moment, let's pray, and then we'll get into the rest of our message. Lord, we love you, and what a, pro- what a profound and what a powerful section of scripture, God. Um, Lord, we see many responses to your kingship. God, would you open up blind eyes and unlock deaf ears? Would you soften hardened hearts? Because we know life is incredibly difficult. We know circumstances um, are terrible for some people, unfortunately, so God, would you soften hearts? Would you draw men and women and children to you? Would you show them and reveal yourself to them in just a powerful, very, very real way? Lord, we love you. We, we love what you're doing in this house. and We love what you're doing through this church as well. And so we honor you, King Jesus, this morning. And we just say, have your way. Just do what you, only what you can do today. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Well, have you ever run into someone, maybe you were at the grocery store, you were picking up some ingredients for nacho night, maybe it was, you were gonna make some homemade sushi, however you roll, whatever, whatever your thing is, and you're at the grocery store, and you run into someone who supposedly knows you, but you, for the life of you, could not recognize who they are. Have you ever been there, anybody? right right, and you're like, you're just, you're just trying to find the mayonnaise, you know, it's like, where is, like, there's 7,000 mayonnaise, like, my God, right, and your wife wants a specific type, that's another sermon, anyways, so you're just trying, you're just, you just, you just want mayo, you're like, I'm gonna go, you're like, honey, I'm gonna go in and out, and I'm gonna be right home, because we're gonna make food, it's gonna be great, right, and, and, and then all of a sudden, someone's like, hey, hey, what's up? And you're like, hey, 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 who, who are you again, right? And so they come up to you, and they're talking to you, and they're like, yeah, and you're like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And I, I don't know who this guy is. I don't, I don't know his name. I don't know his name. This is great. Awesome. Super awkward, right? And you're just like, I was just looking for the mayo, and and. uh but then all of a sudden, your memory kicks in, right? Your memory kicks in, and, and it is. It's someone that you know, or it's someone that you used to know, maybe who, who you were friends with back in the day, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, you're just like, whoa, like, it is you, wow. And you're like, wow, I, hey, I did not recognize you. Oh, my gosh. Hey, when did you dye your hair black? Yeah. Oh, my goodness, right? And then you're like, I did not recognize you because you had those giant sunglasses on. I, I, that's it. Hey, I didn't recognize you. You have a hat on or you have a baseball cap on. And oh, my God. Hey, you've lost so much weight. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, Yeah. Uh-huh. Good for you. Right? And you just, all of a sudden, you're just like yapping at one another. And you're like, you finally recognize who they are. It takes you a few moments, though, because, uh, you know, maybe they were just wearing a different outfit. Maybe they lost weight. Now, whatever the case is, is, but I want you to think about this situation, this scenario with me for a moment. What happens when we run into someone like that who claims to know us, but we don't know them? Here's what happens. We look at that person with what? Suspicion. We're like, I don't, I don't know who they are. We, we hesitate to move in for a hug or for a handshake because here's why. Because we just, we don't know if we can trust them. So we're we're, we're just we we we're off put or offset just a bit, maybe we keep our distance. We're just like I don't I don't know I don't I don't recognize him, right. And here's what I want you to see: that in Jesus's day, in this story, many Jewish people fail to recognize their king, and instead of glorifying and honoring God in that moment, they look at Jesus with suspicion and contempt, because they can't recognize their king. And as we look at the story this morning, here's what I want you to notice. I want you to notice that there are three responses to Jesus coming as king, right? Three responses to Jesus coming as king. In fact, these responses parallel the responses in the parable of the 10 minas, Again, you can go back and read that a different time. Response number one is this. There is joyful reception and worship of the king, okay? So the first way that the people respond is they receive Jesus as king and they worship him, right? Shouts of praise. The second response is this. Disgruntlement by the religious rulers, ultimately what? They take offense at Jesus, right? They are offended with Jesus. Number three, the third response is this. There is utter rejection of the Messiah. And this is what Jesus is speaking to towards the end, right? In verse number 44, 41 through 44, Jesus is saying, if you only had known who was coming to you today. And here's what's gonna happen. Jesus says, your enemies, we're gonna, they're gonna set up an embankment. They're gonna conquer you. They're not going to leave one stone on top of another, right? And Jesus is prophesying the sacking of Jerusalem in 70 AD, right? Which is, if you go to Israel today, guess what? The temple is not there, right? It's not there. It was indeed destroyed. Here's what I wanna do with the rest of our time this morning. I just wanna, I just wanna explain these three responses just a bit more in depth. In fact, what I wanna do is I wanna just show you where these responses appear, just a couple snapshots anyways, in the ministry and the life of Jesus, okay? So the first response, remember, is this. It's praise and worship, right? This is, by the way, this is God's desired response for all people everywhere, amen? Okay? Praise and worship. How do we respond to Jesus? The first response is praise and worship. This happens to the blind man, blind beggar in Luke 18. Here's what it says, Luke 18, 43. It says this. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. So not only does the man who was healed praise God, but then those around him also praise God. Something happens in a similar fashion, in a similar fashion with a, a, with a woman who was crippled, who was bent over in Luke chapter 13. Here's her response, Luke thirteen thirteen. It says this, then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up, and what? Praise God, right? Praise God. That was, this was a response to King Jesus. Finally, there's one last story. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus heals um, the only son of a widow in the town of Nain. And here's how um, they respond. Luke seven sixteen. They were all filled with awe. And what? Praised God, Right? Great prophets had appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. So the most appropriate response to um, King Jesus is praise and worship. That's the most desired one by God, by the way. What does that mean? It means this. It means being in awe and wonder of who God is. That's what it means. It means directing our our mind's attention and our heart's affection towards heaven and, and directing it towards Jesus Himself. What does it mean? It means that when we recognize Jesus as king, it means that we welcome him into our lives. When we recognize Jesus as king, it means this. It means that we surrender our hearts and our lives completely. In fact, we invite him to sit on the throne of our hearts. That's what it means to welcome him as king. The second response that Jesus has, or that people have rather to Jesus is, is, remember, it's, it's offense. They're offended with Jesus, uh, the Pharisees. Jesus, um, rebuke your disciples. Essentially, he is saying this. Tell them to be quiet, all right? Tell them to shut up. We, we don't like this. It's inappropriate. We, we're not comfortable with you worshiping God right now. We're not comfortable with all these people worshiping God. This same sort of response happens just a bit earlier in Luke chapter 19, if you go backwards again, where is it at? I think it's backwards anyways. Um, It's the story of um, Zacchaeus, right? And he's the chief tax collector. And when Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house, instead of rejoicing in God, the religious rulers, what do they do? They, They murmur and they complain, right? In fact, here's what they say. They say this, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. He's gone to be the guest of the sinner. Now, They're not just simply making a statement about who Jesus is associating with. They're actually filled with disgust with Jesus. In other words, here's what they're actually saying. They're saying this. How could Jesus spend time with a person like that? That's what they're saying. They're offended. They're offended. Mark chapter 6, something similar happens. You, You may remember this story. Jesus goes back home. He goes back to his hometown hometown of Nazareth. He begins to teach in the synagogue. Remember this? And um, some people are amazed. Some people, I mean, they're just like, awe in wonder with Jesus' miracles. They're in awe of of his wisdom. But some people are not in awe. They're offended. They're very, very much offended. Mark 6.3 says this. Here's what the people say. Isn't this the carpenter, right? Who's this dude? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? James, ah, Joseph, they got in trouble in school. Are you serious? Aren't they related to those knuckleheads? Oh, I think they are, right? Aren't his, are his sisters here with us? And they took, what? Offense at him. They took offense at Jesus. Now, Mark goes on to record that because of their lack of faith, Jesus could perform no miracles there, Right? Some people, in fact, Jesus, it, it, the, the scripture tells us, Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. Ouch, right? <laughs> he was amazed at their lack of faith. I don't, I don't want that to be said of me. Jesus is like, I'm amazed at your lack of faith, right? That's what the scripture tells us here. And so instead of praising God, giving him adoration, what do they do? They, 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 they reject him, essentially. They reject him. So response number two is to be offended with Jesus, right? Finally, response number three is what? To completely reject Jesus. Let me show you some other places where that shows up quickly. This happens in the Gospels, but I want you to think of this. I want you to think of the crucifixion of Jesus. The soldiers and the rulers, they mock Jesus. What do they say to Jesus? They say, hey, if you're God, if you're awesome, and you're mighty, why don't you go and save yourself? Why don't you just get yourself off that cross? They're mocking Jesus. They're, they're re- totally, completely rejecting Jesus. The, 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 one of the, theme, the thieves at the cross, here's what he says to Jesus. It's Luke 23, 39. He says this, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us, right? Again, he's, 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 he's rejecting Jesus. He's mocking Jesus. And then when they make these comments, church, you can almost hear the disdain in their voices. They're like disgusted. They're so upset. Like, you're supposed to be great. You're supposed to be a king. Save yourselves, right? Save us. Get off the cross. Do something about it. And they are just full of disdain and anger. So the question for all of us today, and and you knew this was coming, okay? But the question for all of us today is for now is, How will you respond to Jesus, okay? How will you respond to Jesus, okay? So the first one is the appropriate answer. This is the way that I would love for you to respond, all right? Will you welcome Jesus as Lord and Savior in your life, right? Will you welcome him into your life? Will you allow Jesus to sit on the throne of your heart? Will you surrender completely to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, Will you bow a knee and bow a heart to Jesus? Will you offer completely your life to Jesus, or will you simply give God lip service? Because there's a difference, right? How will you respond? I want to invite you to respond with praise and worship this morning to our King. The second way that you can respond is by being offended with Jesus, right? This was the second response. And you might think, well, how... How is it, I'm here, aren't I? I mean, come on, I made it to church after all, right? I threw the kids literally in the back seat to get here, and I'm here, so why do you think I might be offended? Well, it's true, it's true. Listen, you actually might take offense with Jesus and you're sitting in a seat. So let let me just briefly explain to you three different ways how you might be offended with Jesus. The first way that you can be offended with Jesus is by simply thinking to yourself, I'm not that bad of a person. I'm really not that bad of a person. I mean, I, I here's the thing, here's the thing, um, Marco. I, I, I try to live a moral life. I'm friendly and I, I'm nicer than a lot of Christians that I work with. Not nearly as political or judgmental as they are. I live a pretty good life I'm not like other people on the news who, you know, kill people or hurt children. I, I'm, I'm not one of those. In fact, Jesus, Jesus um, the, I know this much about the Bible. It says that he came for sinners. I just wouldn't categorize myself as one of those, right? So, so maybe that's you this morning. But, but here's what I want to just show you and teach you in love, in humility, right? I, what you're actually doing is you're actually begging on or relying on your own goodness, right, to see the kingdom of heaven. You're forsaking the righteousness that God has come to offer you in Jesus, and you're, what you're essentially saying is, I'm, I'm good enough, is what you're saying. I'm, I'm a good enough person. I'm a moral enough. I'm of an outstanding character in my community, in fact. I'm, I'm very good. I'm very moral. I don't need so this, this, this is cute. This is all the, the formalities. The formalities of all this is really, is really sweet, honestly, Marco. The lights, those are cute as well. And I like the, the, the band. They're pretty talented. Not, not bad at all. Um, you're a decent speaker. All this is really cute. It's formal, and I like it. However, I just wouldn't say that I am a Christian. I wouldn't say that I need Jesus in this way. You're begging on your own goodness. But I just want to remind you or teach you this morning that apart from Jesus, you have no goodness in you, okay? Now, boy, I, I get it. That's really offensive in itself to say. I, I get that. But nevertheless, it is the truth, okay? It's the truth. Apart from Jesus, you have no righteousness of your own. I, I'm, I feel like I'm righteous. I get that. And your feelings are nice. I, I appreciate those. However, your feelings aren't always true. So let's just let's just like let's settle that t- today, that your feelings are not always true. Pay attention to them, yes. Just don't bet on them always being true. The Apostle Paul says this, Romans 3, 10 and 11. As it is written, he says, there's no one righteous, not even one. He says this, no one who understands, there's no one who seeks God, okay? So apart from Jesus, we have no righteousness. You guys, we, we have no righteousness in our failure to acknowledge this is the proof of that, okay? It's the proof of that, okay? In fact, the scripture tells us that you're either in Adam, you're, you're, either, you're, you're either in Adam, you're found in Adam, or you're found in Jesus. And apart from Jesus, you have no righteousness of your own, right? The scripture talks about, theologians say this, that the righteousness of God must be imputed to you. What does that mean? It's just a fancy way of saying the righteousness of God must be credited to you. How so? By faith. By faith in Christ. So what does that mean for you today? Maybe just a couple of you today. That simply means this, that you're going to shift the object of your faith away from yourself, and you're going to shift uh, the object of your faith to Jesus. Okay, That's what it means. You shift the object of your way. It's, it's away from yourself. You're no longer the object of your faith. Now it's on King Jesus, okay? The second way we can become offended with Jesus is to claim to love Jesus, right? We love him, but we just don't love all of his ways. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I love Jesus, I just don't love all of his ways. In other words, listen, there are things that Jesus wants you to do or he wants you to stop doing, but you have failed to stop doing those things or you have failed to not do those things because at the end of the day, you're probably offended with him you're probably offended with Jesus's view on sex, Jesus's view on money, and Jesus's view on, on, on possessions. You're, you're, you wouldn't say it out loud, but the reason why you don't tithe is because you, you, you don't like it. You're offended with Jesus. The reason why you won't abide by a biblical sexual ethic is because you just, it's just not, it's not convenient to your lifestyle right now, you know what I'm saying? I know, I got a little bit quiet, okay? In a few weeks, we're, we're gonna talk about the meaning of sex. It's gonna be from Acts 15, and it's not gonna be crude, it's not gonna be like, you know, crass, but it, we're gonna be real honest, okay? And I'm gonna give you a theology of sex in a few weeks. I'll warn you, just in case you wanna put the headphones on your kids, I get that, that's okay. I will warn you a week ahead of time when that's coming up, okay? It's going it's to be with Acts 15. But we're going to talk about that because we need to understand it. Because some of you are like, why does God care so much about who, about who I sleep with? Does God really care who I sleep with, right? So here's the thing. You can love Jesus, but listen, the idea is that you don't love his ways, okay? And so while your words say that you love Jesus, your life just reflects something totally different. The third way that you can be offended with Jesus is this. You can be offended with Jesus, uh, and this is kind of a roundabout way, but that when you become so offended at other people and what they're not doing or what they are doing, that you take your attention off of Jesus and you put it on people. Can I just say this to my Pharisee friends in here? Beware when you think that you are the only one getting it right with Jesus and everyone else is wrong. Beware, take heed when you think it's just you and your little posse of three other friends, you're doing it right and every one of us is not doing it right, we're all wrong. Beware, beware, beware when you come into the house of God and all you can do is critique instead of give him worship. Beware, take heed, why? Because you're offended, you're so offended that you can't give the king his rightful praise. Take heed, right? Could it be? Listen, that your offense may reek with the stench of pride. Bring it down, Marco. Finally, listen. Our third response is that you you may have rejected Christ. Now, let me just quickly say this because this is this is phenomenal, amazing, profound. Um, Jesus prophesies of the sacking of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple. It happened in 70 AD. Jesus said, listen, you're going to be dashed upon the rocks, your children. And essentially, Jesus is saying it's going to be a massacre. And it was. It was a massacre, actually, for the Jewish people. I want you to notice what the Jewish historian Flavius Josephus says about uh, the sacking of Jerusalem. He says this, now the number of those that were carried captive during this whole war, listen what he says, was collected to be 97,000 people taken captive Jews. And then he says this, as was the number of those that perished during the whole siege, 1,100,000. In other words, 1.1 million Jews were massacred in that battle. Now, Tacitus, who is another Jewish historian, says it was probably, probably more like just over 600,000 Jews that were slaughtered. Some scholars say that both of those numbers are Um, they're radically they're 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 way too high. Either way, I don't think that they're that I think that 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 these are probably somewhat accurate. I think it was probably hundreds of thousands of Jewish people were murdered in that battle, right? Jesus' words, here's my point, came to pass. And a Jewish historian even tells us about it, you guys. 70 AD. The destruction of Jerusalem took place. Now, we're going to get ready to close in just a few minutes. So you're thinking to yourself, why is this so important? <laughs> why, why is my response to Jesus so important? Well, let me just say it like this. Go ahead and put that point up there for me. Would you put it? It says this. Your, how you respond to Jesus as king determines your destiny. How you respond to Jesus as king determines your destiny destiny. And ultimately, listen, all you really have is just three choices. Just three choices. Number one is to, is to hail him as king. Number two is to be offended by him. Number three, listen, is to totally reject Jesus. And simply what I want to do as we close service is I just want to invite you to the appropriate response, which is what, which is what? Which is praise and adoration to King Jesus. That's what I believe. Listen, that the scripture tells us, Jesus says, If my disciples don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. In some churches in America, the rocks do have to cry out because no one's worshiping, right? Right? In some churches, I'm just being real, okay? In some churches, there ain't nobody worshiping. The rocks literally have to cry out. Let that not be of our church, okay? Let that not be of our church. Let that not be of you today. Let it be said of us that we would be a church that worships, that loves God. Let it be said of us that we would not make it all about ourselves. Listen, can I just tell you as a reminder, newsflash, worship is not about you. Hey, we didn't come to worship you, okay? We came to worship Him, okay? So guess what? You can lift up your hands and, and you can sing because we didn't come to worship you, okay? And you didn't come to worship me. Isn't that good news? We came to worship Him. And so listen, you can lift up hands and you can sing, right? Because he's worthy, you guys. He's, he's worthy of it. So let's pray. And then I want to invite you to stand up as we, um, as we worship this morning. Lord, we love you. And what a profound story, God, of these three responses. Lord, um, today our, our posture is a posture of worship, God, this morning. God, not only do we bow our hearts, we bow our knee to you. And we just simply say this, all hail King Jesus all hail the king of kings and the lord of lords and we just say come and take your rightful place on our hearts come and have your way you are the rightful lord of our lives you are the lord of this world despite what we see god on the news we know that you are lord and that you'll return one day and so god we lift up our hearts and we lift up our voice god and we say King Jesus, we love you. A thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more. God, God, we can't stop singing about you because you're so good. Who else would come down from heaven and rescue humanity? Who else would leave his throne for us? Only King Jesus. So we've come to worship. We've come to lift your name on high. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.